Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Sleep Tight Relax is supported by the generosity of our premium subscribers. If you would like to get some of the perks, like shoutouts, stickers, and other surprises in the mail, go to sleeptightrelax.com premium, or follow the link in our show notes. Thank you. Our sleep story is the next chapter of the Boxcar Children. The kids are all at the doctor's house in this chapter picking cherries. The doctor and his mother are very happy with the work they are doing and send them home with money and all the cherries they can carry. That evening, an advertisement is in the paper about some missing children and a reward that is offered for any information about their whereabouts. The next day, as Henry is working, the doctor pulls up and tells him they are going to go to the field day events. This field day is organized and put on by a man named James Cordes, who we will be hearing more about. But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now, close your eyes if you'd like and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in, and breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths, how you get more and more relaxed with each breath, how the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in, and breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, thoughts of the day or the day to come may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing, to the story, and the music. Breathe in. and breathe out. 
perfect. Let's continue with Chapter 8 of The Boxcar Children. Henry meditated a while all to himself early the next morning as to whether he ought to take anyone with him for the cherry picking. He certainly said he could use more than one, he mused. Failing to decide the question, he laid it before his sisters as they ate bread and milk for breakfast. I can't see any reason except one why we shouldn't all go, said Jess. What's that? asked Henry. Well, you see there are four of us, and supposing Grandfather is looking for us, it would be easier to find four than one. True, agreed Henry, but supposing we went down the hill and through the streets two by two, and you took watch. It was finally agreed that Henry and Benny would attract very little attention together. Violet and Jess would follow with the dog who would trace Henry. And so they set out. They took down the clothesline and closed the car door. Everything instantly looked as lonesome as the heart could wish. Even the merry little brook looked deserted. When the children arrived at the McAllister Orchard, they soon saw that they were not the only workers. Two hired men and the young doctor himself were carrying ladders and baskets from the barn, and the cook was bringing piles of square baskets from the house, the kind that strawberries are sold in. The girls can pick cherries as well as I can, said Henry, introducing his sisters. Benny ought not to climb very tall trees, but we had to bring him. Benny can carry the baskets, perhaps, suggested the doctor, much amused. You see, this is a cherry year, and we have to work quickly once we begin. Perhaps he could fill the small baskets from the big ones. It was a cherry year, certainly. There were two varieties in the orchard, the pale yellow kind with a red cheek and the deep crimson ones, which were just as red in the center as they were on the outside. The red ones were huge, bursting with juice, and the trees were laden full with the luscious fruit. Even the air was perfumed. It was a pretty sight that the doctor finally turned his back upon when he went on his calls. Henry picked rapidly from the tallest ladder in the largest tree. The two girls could climb like cats. They leaned against the ladders easily about halfway up, their fluffy short hair gleaming in the sun. Benny trotted to and fro waiting upon the busy pickers, his cheeks as red as the cherries themselves. Eat all you want, Dr. McAllister called back. They did not really obey this command, but 
Occasionally, a set of white teeth bit into one of the glorious cherries. In less than an hour, Benny had made five good friends. The hired men joked with him, the cook petted him, the young doctor laughed at him delightedly, and sweet Mrs. McAllister fell in love with him. Finally, he seated himself comfortably at her side, under the trees, and filled square boxes with great care under her direction. I never had such a cheerful crowd of cherry pickers before, Mrs. McAllister said at last. I'd much rather stay out here than go into the house where it is cool. Evidently, Mary the cook felt the same way, for she kept coming to the orchard for some reason or other. When the doctor returned at lunchtime, his orchard was ringing with laughter and good-natured barks from Watch, who could not feel easy in his mind with his master so high up in a tree where he couldn't follow. Dr. McAllister paused in the garage long enough to give a sniff to the boiling cherries in the kitchen and then made his way to the orchard where he received a warm welcome. There's no use in your going home to lunch, he smilingly observed, at the same time watching Henry's face carefully. You can eat right here in the orchard unless your mother will be worrying about you. This remark met with an astounding silence. Henry was the first to collect his wits. No, our mother has passed away, he said evenly. It was the doctor who quickly changed the subject. I smelled something when I came in, he said to Benny. What did it smell like? inquired Benny. It smelled like cherry slump, replied the doctor with twinkling eyes. Cherry what? asked Jess, struggling down her ladder with a full basket. I think that's what they call it, slump, repeated Dr. McAllister. Do you care to try it? At this moment, Mary appeared in the orchard with an enormous tray. And at the first sight of her cookery, nobody cared the least what its name was. It was that rare combination of dumpling beaten with stoned cherries and cooked gently in the juice of the oxheart cherries in a real cherry year. It was steaming in the red juice with the least suspicion of melted butter over the whole. Do get two more, Mary, begged Mrs. McAllister laughing. It tastes so much better under the cherry trees. This was another meal that nobody ever forgot. Even the two hired men sitting under another tree devouring the delicious pudding paused to hear Benny laugh. Nowadays, those two men sometimes meet Henry, but that's another story. Anyway, they never will forget that cherry slump made by Irish Mary. Almost as soon as lunch was over, Benny rolled over on the grass and went to sleep 
his head as usual on the dog's back. But the others worked on steadily. Mrs. McAllister kept an eye on them from the screened porch without their knowledge. Just see how those children keep at it, she said to her son. There is good stuff in them. I should like to know where they come from. Dr. McAllister said nothing. He sauntered out into the orchard when he thought they had worked long enough. He paid them $4 and gave them all the cherries they could carry, although they tried to object. You see, you're better than most pickers because you're so cheerful. He noticed that they did not all leave the yard at the same time. When the cherry pickers returned to their little home, they examined everything carefully. Nothing had been disturbed. The door was still shut, and the milk and the butter stood untouched in the refrigerator. They made a hilarious meal of raw cherries and bread and butter, and before the stars came out, they were fast asleep, happy and dreamless. That evening, very much later, a young man sat in his study with the evening paper. He read the news idly and was just on the point of tossing the paper aside when this advertisement caught his eye. Lost. Four children, aged 13, 12, 10, and 5. Somewhere around the region of Middlesex and Townsend. $5,000 reward for information. Notify James Henry Cordes. Phew, whistled the young man. James Henry Cordes. He sat in silence for a long time, thinking. Then he went to bed. But long after he had gone upstairs, he whistled again and could have been heard to say, if anyone had been awake to hear it, James Henry Cordes, of all people. The Cordes steel mill stood a little aside from the city of Greenfield, as if they were a little too good to associate with common factories. James Henry Cordes sat in a huge leather chair in his private office. He was a man nearly 60 years of age whose dark brown hair was still untouched by gray. He had rather hard lines around his mouth, but softer ones around his eyes. Printed on the ground glass top of his door were these words in black and gold. J. H. Cordes, President, Private. Once a year, J.H. Cordes allowed himself a holiday. If he had a weakness, it was for allowing a day for boys to just be boys. Boys running without their hats, boys jumping, boys throwing rings, boys swimming, boys vaulting with a long pole. 
and in company with three other extremely rich men, he arranged once a year a field day for the town of Intervale. The men attended it in person and supplied all the money. Today was field day. All through the spring and early summer months, boys were in training for miles around, ready for Intervale's field day. And not only boys, but men also, old and young, and girls of all ages into the bargain. Prizes were offered for tennis, baseball, rowing, swimming, running, and every imaginable type of athletic feat. But usually, the interest of the day centered on a free-for-all race of one mile, which everyone enjoyed, and a great many people entered. A prize of $25 was offered to the winner of this race, and also a silver trophy cup with little wings on its handles. Sometimes this cup was won by a middle-aged man, sometimes by a girl, and sometimes by a trained athlete. Mr. Cordes smiled about his eyes as he closed his desk, ordered his limousine, and went out and locked the door of his office. The mill had been closed down for the day. Everyone attended field day. Henry was washing the concrete drives at Dr. McAllister's at this moment. He heard the doctor call to him from the road, so he promptly turned off the hose and ran out to see what was wanted. Hop in, commanded the doctor, not stopping his engine. You ought to go to see the stunts at the athletic meet. It's field day. Henry did not wish to delay the doctor, so he hopped in. Can't go myself, said Dr. McAllister. I'll just drop you at the grounds. There's no charge for admittance. You just watch all the events and report to me who wins. Henry tried to explain to his friend that he ought to be working, but there was actually no time. And when he found himself seated on the bleachers, and the stunts began, he forgot everything in the world except the exciting events before his eyes. Henry had no pencil, but he had an excellent memory. He repeated over and over the name of each winner as it appeared on the huge signboard. It was nearly 11 o'clock when the free-for-all running race was announced. What do they mean, free-for-all? asked Henry of a small boy at his side. Why, just anybody, explained the boy curiously. Didn't you ever see one? Didn't you see the one last year? No, said Henry. The boy laughed. That was a funny one, he said. There was a college runner in it and a couple of big men and some girls, lots of people. And the little boy over there won it. 
You just ought to have seen that boy run. He went so fast you couldn't see his legs. Beat the college runner, you know. Henry gazed at the winner of last year's race. He was smaller than Henry, but apparently older. In a few minutes, Henry had quietly left his place on the bleachers. When the boy turned to speak to him again, he was gone. He had gone, in fact, to the dressing room, where boys of all sizes were putting on sandals and running shorts. A man stepped up to him quickly. Want to enter? He asked, no time to waste. Yes, replied Henry. And that is the end of this chapter. Sleep tight. Thank you.